If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Gets off to Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring it down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up in the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started. You guys have a good bye week? Lair, how was the week off? Oh, it was fantastic. It was great. When you called, I was sitting by the pool. I was I know, sipping I a call. beverage. I it was fine. You. No, it was really, it was good to talk to you. <laughs> I think that Tucker was like getting tired of hearing me, you know, because he was the only person who was there with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my husband's the only one I'm talking to. So he's just like, yes, oh take my the call. God. Yeah, exactly. He's like, please. <laughs> he took, I noticed he took a lot of naps. So I was like, I'm going to go out to the pool. He's like, I'm going to take a nap. And I'm like, oh God, I'm wearing him out because I'm just constantly like, right. you know, conversing with only him. He's now, probably down- like, don't you have a podcast or something to listen to <laughs> now down where you were because you were in florida last yes. week for those that don't know yeah did you have any uh remnants of the hurricane are you good there no we were very fortunate we were we were good we're right around the sarasota area so it was okay. it was pretty well spared from all of the hurricane damage most of it was a bit further south so right, it was it good. was really good but you know oddly enough you know how like even when you're traveling do you ever have this where like you're you're getting away from work yet work still finds its way back to you uh-huh Leaving. Yeah, that's, that's when I call. <laughs> <laughs> Not even that. Even prior to your phone call, walking through the airport, our flight's leaving at 545, so I'm probably walking through about 5, maybe 515 before we're boarding. And who do I see, like, five gates down from me but Stefan Gilmore and his <laughs> wife and kids? And he looks at me. I'm like, you thought you were going to be away from me yeah. for a week, weren't you? And I was like, where are you guys going? I'm going there, you know? So yeah. they were they were going to Miami for a couple of days. So it was great because I got nice. to see Stefan and Gabby and the kids and chat with them. But it was just one of those, like, such a funny occurrence because a few years ago, coming back from the bye week, I was on the same flight as Marlon Mack because he's from Sarasota. Yeah. So they'd uh-huh. gone down there. So inevitably, <laughs> I wind up running into one of our Colts players. All right, let's take bets on who's Some, going to be yes, next year on right. the bye. Yeah. Casey, is, is this guy on the roster yet? You know, oh, that's, that's a good one. That sounds Ooh. like a good segment right there. <laughs> but no, it was fantastic. It was great. Super relaxing. But honestly, like it was one of those where I was ready to get back a little bit too. Like four or five days away, I'm kind of ready to get into routine. Dan's tired of hearing me talk. Oh, and, it's crazy. You know. <laughs> so. I mean, I shut the computer down at like three o'clock on Wednesday yeah. and didn't pick it back up Same. again until Sunday night. It, Wonderful. I started to get twitchy. I felt like I should be doing so much, but it's like there's no game, and this is really the only part of the NFL schedule where you you're afforded a chance to mm-hmm. kind of decompress a, a little bit. And and Casey, I really didn't honestly watch a lot of football. I didn't either on Sunday. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Wa- I watched. Um, I watched Thursday night football. I watched yes. Baker Mayfield do what he did with the Rams, which. Mm-hmm. Bizarre. I mean, to think about Josh McDaniels, he's got two losses, one to an interim head coach in Jeff Saturday the week of, which is interesting, and then a quarterback who got there 48 hours before. <laughs> so if that says anything about the Raiders, which was crazy, all oh, has got something. I- I've Are got you- something. Lately, so Casey's taking shots already. We're like three <laughs> minutes into this. Okay, I'm going back to a tweet that I saw. This was on Thursday from Bridget Condon with NFL Network, who does a fantastic job. And she, our tweet was, I can't get over the fact that, that the Rams essentially Amazon primed themselves a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> All 
on yeah, Thursday was, night football. Yeah, There's that was like nothing, four, four eight hours delivery. Nothing more on brand. And no and no assembly required. It, right. You know, right. I mean, I just thought that was just the the most perfect tweet. That's amazing. But yeah, I'm with you, Matt. I didn't watch much football. We yeah. had uh, my my three year old's birthday, so his birthday was actually on Thursday. So it was great. We had the day off. So we did like this indoor theme park kind of thing. It's called Smiley's here. And see, I didn't go to Florida like Lara. So I was ready to get back to the office because it was a lot of just, you know, family time. It was like, you know, it was what? also it's, crappy weather. It was last terrible week. weather. You're yeah. like, yeah, you're yeah, like know, my husband right? who's like, I can't wait to get back to the office. <laughs> exactly. No. Stop listening to her. No. I mean, it was like rain and yeah. overcast yeah. and drizzle, 42 degrees every day. I mean, I think today is like the first day the sun's oh, been out. Exactly. I drove like in. eight days. Yeah. How, it, how about yours, Matt? Well, same. Yeah, we had a lot of, lot, just a lot of catching up to do. Right. You know, a lot of housework, 100%. errands, and, you know, we, we did have my, my daughter's birthday is in two weeks, but past weekend was the only weekend where we could actually plan it and do right. it. So we went ahead and got it out of the way. So she had a good time with all of her friends that came over. So good stuff. So, yeah, speaking of crappy weather, nothing like going to Minnesota in December. <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> at least it's, it's an inside. indoor stadium. Yeah. All right. This is the official Colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm Matt Taylor with Casey Vallier in for J.J. Stangovitz today. Lara Overton is in here per usual. J.J. J.J.'s feeling a little bit under the weather. So, J.J., if you're listening, get well soon, brother. We need you back. Uh, but a lot to accomplish today. Coming up, we're going to discuss the Colts coming back after the bye. Four games to play. Uh, we'll talk about T.Y. Hilton, a Cowboy now. So, we'll discuss what that means and uh, also break down his place in, in Colts lore, where he kind of ranks in Colts history. Can ghosts swear Stetsons? Um, they are now. <laughs> they are now. I'm sure he would pull them off. Yeah. Um, and then we'll also... Larry, you're going to love this coming from from where you hail from down in New Albany, Louisville. We're going to place our bets. We're going to go to the track and we're going to make our prediction parlays as the Colts head down the stretch. We're going to get the ponies out as the Colts are kind of rounding turn number four, heading for the finish line. So we'll do that. And we'll also talk about the Colts and the NFL today with Lindsey Rhodes, NFL insider from the NFL Roadshow podcast. And you can also uh, listen to her and see her on Sirius XM as well. So she's going to join us in a little bit. So, Casey, Colts are rested. They're off the bye, heading into week number 15. Right now they currently sit 14th in the AFC playoff picture uh, and unfortunately, that's uh, 16 teams. So 14 out of 16, four, eight, and one. They've dropped three in a row. Before we get into the Colts, let's talk about T.Y. Hilton uh, joining the Cowboys. Signed a free agent deal in Dallas earlier this week. Case um, joining that uh, wide receiver core: C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Noah Brown. Um, how does T.Y. Hilton fit in with the Cowboys? How surprised were you with with that move? T.Y. joining a team with four games to play in the regular season, having not spent time uh, in a locker room this year or spent time with the team in the offseason workout program and training camp? I mean, I was surprised just because all the chatter was Odell Beckham. It seemed like it was, you know, he's going to pick between the Cowboys and the Giants, and then there was speculation on where his knee was, all this stuff, and then all of a sudden it was, hey, the Cowboys are signing T.Y. Hilton. And I think there was some conversation during the offseason and training camp between mm-hmm. T.Y. and Dallas. And for T.Y., this is perfect. He was able to watch his son's high school football at Zionsville. Football's over, and now he gets to go play. It's not a full season, so he's been he's had plenty of time to get rest up and prepared. And, and for T.Y., I mean – 
everybody in this room right here. We love T.Y. I mean, that smile. Seeing him sign that contract, it almost didn't matter who he was signing with because you saw that T.Y. smile. And for him to have the opportunity, I don't know where the Cowboys are going to end up when it comes to playoff time, but to have an opportunity to compete for a championship, that's what you want for T.Y., They're in the NFC, so it doesn't matter as far as going to a rival for the Colts or anything. I think this is just – this is a great situation for both parties. For T.Y., he's probably not going to be asked to do too much because Mm -hmm. C.D. Lamb is clearly the guy. They've got other weapons with Michael Gallup coming back. We saw him two touchdowns in the game against the Colts. I think Noah Brown has definitely – you know, he kind of peaked early in the season. Has kind of been playing on a little downward. That's where I think. That's where so I think Ty think kind of takes over 100%. that role. One hundred percent. I think you know? the Noah Brown role he fits really, really well. So I don't know if we'll see him this weekend or next weekend, but definitely as they make their push for the playoffs, it's going to be different to see. And I don't know what numbers he's going to wear because I think Michael Gallup wears thirteen. So that'll be interesting oh, to see point. Yeah. what number Ty will be wearing in Dallas. I am so thrilled for Ty because. Through all he battled through and and had not had injuries over the majority of the early part of a season. And then the last few years here in Indianapolis, what he endured from a personal standpoint. And then also just all of the quarterback change that he had to endure. This is such a great opportunity because he is a guy who certainly has earned an opportunity to be on a contender. And for him to go to Dallas is so exciting. He joins a couple of former Colts, you know, down there that they have, of course, when you think about Hooker, you know Matt yeah. Overton Hooker, and Malik yeah. Hooker and Malik Jefferson as well now on that team. So a couple of guys down there, familiar faces, and you know I think it's exciting for him to be able to have an opportunity opportunity to be with a dynamic quarterback like Dak Prescott. Yeah. And one of the things that Ed Werder said about Ty when he was asking to people around the league is you know although people have noted oh his his speed isn't what it used to be and that was a kind of you know Ty's signature that you know very elusive speed yeah. down the field but everyone said he's instinctive so they were saying despite he maybe not having the speed he's very capable because of his intelligence and high level instinct at that position so that's going to be something that he can draw upon to come in and be an immediate contributor in you know whether that's this week or or next yeah. week but I'd actually traded messages with TY about 2 weeks ago and knew that there were a few different teams that had that had expressed interest in you know in him and I, I my understanding not haven't heard this directly from TY but hearing from other sources I believe the New York Giants would have been another one of them just kind of gathering from what maybe some of the beat reporters had been saying so I'm also like oh thank god he went to a team that we already played and don't have <laughs> oh, to go up again yeah. again but ecstatic for him it's going to be really exciting and yeah like you mentioned like everyone saw him going to his son's high school games getting to kind of be a dad right. and live life and he stayed in shape he stayed in form always wanting you know, this opportunity to go in and, you know, potentially be part of something down the stretch. And certainly the Cowboys are one of those who are in the conversation for a favorite, not just among the NFC, but among the league in general. Yeah, I I think the quarterback uh, nugget that you had, Larry, I think that's spot on. I think he's really going to benefit from a mobile quarterback that can extend plays. That was always when T.Y. Hilton was at his best. He had time to kind of outsmart the defense and find those windows down the field. And I never really thought that that T.Y., despite his injuries, lost much speed and I quickness agree. I never thought and that intuitiveness. Either. I mean, he missed 16 games over four years with the disc problem and the quad and the concussion. But I, I just didn't think those things really – slowed him down much more than just getting older and, and getting up there in terms of uh, you know longevity in the NFL. But you know when he was on the field, 
I, I still he's thought, a difference maker. I still thought, yeah, he was productive, and uh, I just really think that his lack of production numbers-wise, he's a victim of so many quarterbacks around him changing and trying to get that synergy. I mean, obviously he'll never have as much chemistry and synergy as he did with Andrew Luck, but I think he will benefit uh, from playing uh, with a guy like Dak Prescott. And that running game should open up some opportunities for him in the passing game. So, Casey, I think he's got a good chance of being that Noah Brown role, if you will, three to four catches a game for about – 30 to 40 yards and and I think that's one of the things that we have kind of talked about here is that he's not going to be asked to do too much Mm -hmm. you know that's the best thing he's going to a as Lara said this is a team that is thought of to be a favorite in all of the league to win win a Super Bowl so he's going into a perfect situation where he kind of ease into it as well he doesn't Mm -hmm. have to hit the ground running this weekend and if he doesn't catch eight catches for whatever it's a bust like he can ease into this so I'm really happy for T.Y. I exchanged messages with Jane Slater who covers the Cowboys for NFL Network and I'd done her podcast the week before we played the Cowboys and I was just telling her a little bit about what they're getting you know in a T.Y. Hilton and you know I was kind of telling her about you know the type of locker room guy that he is I mean he'll be immediately beloved you think about I know the guys as much rapport as they have built among this group of receivers they have they really miss T.Y. Yeah. as indicated by the first touchdown Michael Pittman scored this year went into the end zone and <laughs> threw up you know the T.Y. homage but I told Jane I said <laughs> the most infectious laugh and yep. it will echo the halls <laughs> I promise you so yeah any anything I said every person will immediately be drawn to T.Y. because of not only the dynamic playmaker that he is and the potential that he can add, what he can bring, the element he can add to an offense, but also just because he's such a, a fun personality. It's going to be exciting yeah. to watch moving forward. I mean, he's still like my header on my, my Twitter. It's like from one of our, our interviews. So he's just he's go. just Keep incredible. That up too. Also, can't wait to see him when he comes back because that guy's going in the Ring of Honor That's someday. what I was getting at. Yeah. Ring, I mean, first ballot if there is Done. such a right. thing. I mean, this is a no-brainer And there are a lot of, of deserving guys, guys of, of past, certainly. You know, you, you think about you know Adam Vinatieri. Dallas Clark, you yeah. know, there are a lot of names that you could certainly put right. in there to, to talk about who have are more, you know, slightly further removed from their careers. But I think to, immediately he goes up there. Yeah. I mean, every stat. As soon as he every, retires? I mean, as soon as he's done, I mean, that's the next year. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know, kind of how. I don't know what's the typical like waiting period. Like guys don't immediately typically go yeah, I mean, in. I feel like there's kind of like Reggie waited a few years before yeah, he went yeah. in. So I don't know if it'll be immediate because there might be some elder guys ahead of him who've been waiting. I think now it's different because there was. I mean, in Reggie's case, there was sort of so a, many. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's a handful of guys you can you can choose from with with Freeney and Mathis, and he had obviously had to wait for Manning yeah. to go. In. In, and yeah. I, I think we're sort of at the end of that list is my point. I, I totally know? understand. I, I think that maybe of the recent Colts, maybe Vinatieri would be yeah. the yeah. one who goes in prior to T.Y. Yeah. Potentially, depending on how long T.Y. plays right. and what he shows, because whatever he does in this final stretch for Dallas could lead to more for him in the future. But I would say he's one of those you you go in with pretty with a, with a sense of urgency to get him in and deliver and and, and also, too, to touch on such a special time of the franchise beyond that Manning era. I mean, T.Y. was such a bridge to oh, the current era that we are in now and I think deserves acknowledgement for some really great teams that he was a part of and oh. some special things that he did for this organization. Because in every receiving category, I mean, it's Marvin, 
Reggie, T.Y. Hilton. Yep. I mean, that is that is it. That, and so that's many, the list. so many big moments. I mean, the Kansas City game God, and the playoffs, God. that go-ahead touchdown. I mean, that that's still the best pass I've ever seen live in person, that bomb from Andrew Luck that just landed between two defenders from Kansas City that covered like 65 yards mm-hmm. through the air. And that, yeah. that was the Colts' go-ahead touchdown. They were down 28 points in that game. Honest to God, I've never heard Lucas Oil Stadium louder and you were on the sidelines. I was on of that the sidelines yeah. of that game, right? So I mean, Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil has been open since 2008. I think that is maybe the biggest moment in the in the venue's history. But Casey, all the monster games against Houston. All oh. uh, right, I mean, yeah. T- Wouldn't T-Y-L. Dallas have loved to have signed Ty before they played the Texans <laughs> and you had that yeah. scare? Oh, crap. Last week, maybe that's what it was. Maybe that was what tipped him over. You know what? Hey, if you'd have had me, we would even have had a scare. Right. Yeah, I'll go for two twenty and two touchdowns, right? Exactly. And, and still haunt JJ Watt over there on the sideline. <laughs> Love it. Where's Jonathan Joseph? Right. You know, right? Exactly. All right. So Ty Hilton, good on you, man. Good luck in uh, Dallas, and we're for you man and hopefully it all works out there as he uh is on a team now that uh, i think is headed for the playoffs and we'll see if they can make some noise in the month of january in the nfc side of the playoff ledger lara you ready we're going down to your hometown here we go now (laughs) we're gonna fire it up you love that sound We're going to Churchill Downs. Lair, now, is it Thanksgiving that your family ever? The you, day you, you after Thanksgiving. Good for, memory. Uh, yeah, yeah your girl Downs had there. a couple of trifectas this year, Yeah, too. that yeah. girl. Yeah. Nicely yeah. done. Yeah. Nicely and, done. Yeah, as as I went into the double digits on the mint julep, I started hitting more and more trifectas. I, I consider oh. that no coincidence. Oh, so yeah. I've told you both my story about working yes! the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Yes. I was a beer vendor and mint julep maker. I really don't enjoy the mint julep because i i tasted it i smelled it and i felt it in my fingernails <laughs> on my skin in my nostrils i've for told two you what my that. my late grandmother what she would say about the mint julep she was part of what established this family tradition which has been yeah. ongoing for uh, probably 50 years or wow. so within my family the day after thanksgiving tradition her um description was the first one you hate, the second one gets better. By the time you get to the third, you don't care anymore. Wow. There you go. You just described your feelings on me. <laughs> you got to go a little further. First time you three. meet them, you hate them. Yeah. Third time, whatever. Let's just freaking do this podcast. Exactly. Jeez. Just get through it. Oh, Couldn't man. be further from the truth. <laughs> one of my favorite humans. Well, here's what I'm going for. So if the NFL regular season were a horse race... We would be heading Pony down up, the stretch. Four games to play. So let's ride. This let's <laughs> let's ride. This is the time of the year where Russell Wilson and the intensity it jumps up another level, and and obviously games take on even more importance and significance. So let's head down to Churchill Downs. Let's make some predictions. Let's make some parlays. Do I have the right verbiage there? Is parlay in horse racing the right way to describe that? Or, or should this be a trifecta? I think what you would want to do is a parlay because it's a couple of different like yeah. categories. Things like a trifecta would be something all within one singular yeah. race, right? You, you would need certain horses to come here. in first, second, and third. In a parlay, you could do clearly things we know who is. Over the <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> oh, like you have any room to talk oh, no. over there. I know, All right. I know. Thanks a lot, rounders. <laughs> <laughs> 
should I double down on this 11K? Right, there you go. Oh, that, my, now, you're, now you're speaking my language. Holy my. <laughs> All right, so l- let's give me okay. Give me your three-legged Colts parlay to end the season, right? So you know okay, what I'm going I'm gonna for. I'm going to go with a, a not, not a great thing that they're going to hit and then two positive okay. ones. Okay, lay it so, on me. All right, on me. so the Colts have committed a league-leading thir- 26 turnovers through 13 games so far. Yes. So first one, I'm going to say they eclipsed 30 turnovers before the end of the season. Okay. So more so more four, than four, 30. four games. Yes, more than 30 turnovers before yeah. the end of the well, regular they're, they're season. Well, they're averaging two a game. So right, yeah, that's, so it's, that's it's pretty not, safe. Uh, right. I know, but they've had one game when they didn't turn the ball over, correct? And they won. So, and they won. won. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so there's that. Then I'm going to point to right there. I'm going to say that Jonathan Taylor eclipses 1,100 yards rushing. Wow, okay. That's what I'm going with right now. Yep. Um, and then the Colts will win two or more of their last four games. Oh, I like it. Okay. I like it. That's I, I, my parlay there. Yeah. Of those, I feel... And I am a terrible, like, fantasy football betting. Like, I, I am terrible right. at it. Um, so I, I kind of went safe, I think, with that. If, if Jonathan Taylor... I'll, I'll even lower the bar, if a you thousand. will, to 1,000 yards. Casey, if he gets over 1,000 yards this season, considering he's missed two games, he's played banged up a couple of times, and the struggles within the running game behind the offensive line to not be able to generate the push that they certainly generated last year, I think if he gets 1,000 yards this year, it's still quite an accomplishment. I agree completely. I, I think I, I feel like the 1,000-yard plateau is kind of like the standard now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we expect Especially Jonathan, with 17 games. Right, and you kind of expect Jonathan Taylor to be in that 1,200, especially after what we saw last year, but I couldn't agree more. With, He's at 861 right with now. everything yeah. else around him. I think him reaching 1,000 just shows – you know what? He had a lot early in the year that kind of kept him down. But if you really look at the push that he's had recently, I think he's the only running back over the last, what, four or five weeks to average over 75 yards a game, which that's a pretty good yeah. idea of where he has been lately. He's only agree. over 100 twice. The, the yeah, one thing, season. and this is something that Lindsay touches on in our in our conversation with her, that you do face some weak defenses. Like that's the one thing is I think that there are some teams that you can run on moving forward. Mm-hmm. All right, can I go, Case? Sure, go for it. All right, I've got Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce will end up with 650 receiving yards. Okay. Matt Ryan, I went the other way, Lara. Matt Ryan will suffer one turnover or less. I like this. In the final four games of the season. And here's the one I really like. And you guys are going to make fun of me because you know me. I'm a kicker guy. Chase <laughs> okay. McLaughlin. By the way, Chase McLaughlin going to join us in studio this week. Oh, awesome. Chase McLaughlin will make at least two more kicks. Beyond over 50? Over 50 yeah, in the that's final a good four one. That's a really good one. this season. Three out of four games <laughs> are in a dome, too. The Ryan yeah. so that's probably makes that a real big well, big certainly, yeah, yeah, because sure. he leads the NFL in right. interceptions and total turnovers. But I think he's mad. I really do. I, I think he's mad deep down, and he's so professional and so uh, just just in, in charge of his emotions. But I think he's mad because that has taken place in his first year with a new team, mm-hmm. mad because he is so much better than that, and mad because that's what everybody thinks he is now with a new team at age 37, this guy that's turnover prone, that can't hang on to the football. I think he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder, and I think he's been given the green light from Jeff Saturday to just go out there and be himself. Sling it. Coming back after the bye, and everybody's wondering what are the Colts going to do at quarterback in these final four games, turning things to Matt Ryan 
I think has maybe provided a little bit of a weight off of his shoulders to be the leader that this team needs on offense. So you say that he's mad. So maybe like you would say like like really hot. Like he's, he's hot. He's hot. So smoking he, hot. maybe Maddie so Ice hot. Is smoking. He's Maddie melt. melt that ice. Maddie melt. <laughs> nice. I like that. Right. Look but you guys, there. you guys know how you don't do this podcast this long and <laughs> no, not pick you up do a not. few dad jokes from Matt Taylor. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, Lara. Come over to the dark side. We'd love to have you. The water's fine now. Oh, and Mr. Yeah. Mr. McLaughlin, seven yeah. field goals over 50 this season, third most in the NFL. That ties a club record with Adam Vinatieri. And you guys remember last off season when I was all over the Cincinnati Bengals and Evan McPherson, right? right? Yeah. I mean, this is why points are good. Three points at the end of a half or a game. Those are enormous, and it's so big when you can rely on your kicker and have confidence in your kicker from 55 yards or so and in. So I think the Colts are going to be in a, in a lot of instances where they need McLaughlin, and he'll make at least two more 50-yard field goals. That's my prediction. the really impressive stat that you dug up, or Casey, I think, dug it up yeah. when we were on the show Sunday night in Dallas first, regarding yeah. Yeah, three first, straight games yeah. with a 50, first time in Colts history to have a kicker, three straight games of a kick over 50 yards. That's so, unbelievable yeah. to me. Yeah. When you think of like the kicking greats right. of the organization, yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Also, to me, that should solidify that you bring Chase McLaughlin back next year right, also. Right. I, on another tangent. He is a free agent. A topic for another podcast. No doubt. <laughs> In yeah. three and, or four weeks. And I'm not sure, I mean, what what else do you want? What else do you need right. to see? I exactly. mean, I know we're not going to play GM right here, but I mean, certainly considering the way he entered this season, week two, sort of on the street, was let go or waved by, was, was it Cleveland? Was living down the street, actually yeah. living. Like, like training camp. Yeah, he's like Grand like living uh, in Westfield Carmel area, yeah. Right. All right, so that's uh, that's my 200-to-1 ticket, although I feel really confident in it, to be honest with I like you. It. I mean, I think Alec Pierce, 650. If you would have told me Alec Pierce gets 650 receiving yards in his rookie season, mm-hmm. I would have said, eh, it's pretty lofty. But I, I think he's I think he's on track for that, and based on how the Colts have utilized him this season – and the deep ball, pushing the ball down the field, he's really kind of the only threat the Colts have in that regard. I mean, he's got three catches this year, over 40. I don't think 650 is out of the realm of possibility. So, no, Casey, give me your give me your three here. So, mine, I went Michael Pittman is going to set a new career high in receiving yards. So, right now, he's 327 yards away from his career high, which was last year. So, we need to average about 80 yards a game. The last four. So I think he gets that. Right. I think the Colts' defense will force multiple turnovers in each of the next four games. Turnovers have been a pretty hot-button topic when Mm -hmm. you talk about this defense. Not being able to get turnovers, I feel like they turn that around the next four. And then Yannick Ngakwe will eclipse his career high with 12 sacks, which was he did that in his second year. So he's three and a half away from matching that at 12. I think he'll get a fourth sack. To give him a new career high. What's he at eight fact, right now? He's at eight and a half right now. So that's where. I mean, I don't think those are super lofty, but I also think there's still a little risk. I involved. like your I like your takeaways there because obviously Stefan Gilmore has been huge in some situations. I think before the end of the season, I think Isaiah Rogers is in a great opportunity to get to get a pick. Yeah, I mean, great opportunity. I still am convinced that he had that one in Dallas. I, I know can't it was even close, get over it. but I, it, man, Matt, it was close. I, I was in Matt's ear. Oh. It happened three feet in front of my face. I was. 
was just beyond. I was just, a, you know, a, like yeah. maybe at the, I don't know, five yards, you know, beyond where he was. So I didn't see him from head on. I saw him from cleats on. And uh, I was yeah. I was yelling. I was like, he's got it. Like, I, <laughs> I, I get so fired up. on. I mean, like, like I'm on Bubba Ventrone level when I'm on the sidelines. And they scored a touchdown there. on that drive. That was huge. That was yeah. huge. They scored a touchdown on that drive. And if I'm not well, mistaken, was, yeah. they went up by two scores yep. with that touchdown to go up by nine. And then obviously, you know, everything sort of unraveled after that. That just shows you, though, there where, where my, my second little parlay here with turnovers, mm-hmm. how key they are. I mean, you, you see that game in Dallas, you look at the score and you go, wow, it was a blowout. I mean, really, I mean, it was a two-point game in the fourth quarter. And, and, and that's where it was. And that's how key turnovers are. So I, I just think this defense is... We've been talking about it all year because last year you're first in the NFL in takeaways. This year you're last. I, I think it's... It, Something is going to click, and these guys are going to get a little hungry the last four yeah, weeks. Yeah, only have only have twelve takeaways in three in the last four games this year. So, and that's the thing with Minnesota. To go back on them, I know we're we're going to talk about them coming up with uh, Lindsey Rhodes, who's going to join us in a little bit. But Minnesota, uh, obviously, off to a great start. They're ten and three. They're one game away from or one win away from clinching the uh, NFC North for the first time since two thousand seventeen. But they have nine wins this season in one score games despite having a negative point differential on the season. They have a negative one point differential on the year, but they are 9-0 and in games where they win the turnover battle. So it goes back to what we talked about last week, Lair. I mean, it's mm-hmm. sort of that, that uh, rhetorical question that we asked ourselves, but if the Colts just have half of the turnovers this season on offense, how many more wins would they have? And Minnesota's kind of like living proof of that. If you just don't hurt yourself – you can overcome things. You can win close games. You can make plays in the fourth quarter. You can be in these one-score games. Yeah. You know, so no question that's been a hot-button issue. I mean, Jeff Saturday talked about it all all week long going into the game this Saturday. You know, sort of the, the theme of the season is turnovers. And, and the, do you think, is that the ire of anyone more than an offensive lineman to, like, you know, not take care of the football, right? right? Like, I mean, just you think about if there's anyone who your your foundation right. is is formed yeah. in, you know, protection, and it's, yeah, it's that, like creating 46 sacks allowed. Yeah. Right. All right, well, let's uh, transition. Let's go to the hotline now. Let's welcome in NFL Insider. Pleased to be with today, Lindsey Rhodes from the NFL Roadshow podcast and Sirius XM. We're going to talk about the Colts and go around the NFL a little bit. Lindsey, thanks for the time today. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I, I, we got to start, I guess, with your, your national take on the Colts. Watching them from afar oh, yeah. this season, <laughs> what do you got? What, what, have, what have you made of the horseshoes here in Indianapolis? Well, I have questions for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fire away. <laughs> I, I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of this team from a national standpoint. I mean, obviously, everybody in the world has thoughts on the Jeff Saturday hire, you know, but from a but from a play on the field standpoint, I feel like the team that you guys cover has been just the most perplexing team in the NFL, right? The offensive line, not looking like the offensive line that I think most people are expecting it to. I would have never, never guessed that Matt Ryan was going to look the way that he would have looked. I mean, you know, you, you expect some uh, like depreciation of talent, I suppose, but I, I feel like the, the Colts have been the hardest team to figure out this year. Mm-hmm. And then, but What's also so weird, as you guys know, is that then all of a sudden there are games when it all kind of clicks. And you're like, oh, maybe they're onto something. And then the next game comes along and you're like, oh, nope, nope, they weren't. They weren't onto something. And so I, I, I don't know. I don't know. 
Now, now, Lindsay, one of the things that you brought up there with, with Jeff Saturday and that national perspective, he mentioned today that he is fully on with this coaching thing and wants to kind of see how it goes and go through the whole process. So from a national aspect, what has that outlook been on Jeff Saturday from, you know, from afar? Well, I mean, obviously a lot was made about the fact that he was kind of handpicked, right? And I think uh-huh. there's some validity to that. And, and my original take was that, like, Jim Ursay kind of didn't really read the room nationally. Like, we've had a lot of conversations for the last few years about the way coaches are hired. And uh, particularly with regard to minority coaches, not having access to owners the way that some of the other coaches have um, – to, to to pick a uh, someone that you feel close to and you feel like they're going to be good, but they haven't had to prove it over and over again, kind of, um, you know, at the coaching level or at the NFL level who have not made coaching his profession. I think um, I, I'm, I, I never thought like, oh, this is obviously a bad hire and it won't work out. My reaction was more like, oh, this is going to upset a lot of people within the coaching profession. And then just people who have been advocating for different, uh, well, specifically minority coaches to have more opportunities than they've had in years past. And how do we fix that? And then to specifically go get Jeff Saturday, I thought was obviously going to feel like a slap in the face to a lot of people. Um, It has nothing to do with Jeff Saturday for me personally. Right. But I also, I noticed last week in um, no, not last week in week 13 uh, in the Colts last game, there was a play against the Cowboys that got my attention and it it was late in the game when the Cowboys had a big lead and it made sense. Like they're trying to run out the clock. And so they're running the ball and it's totally out of control. And then they need, it made sense to pass on a third and long to pick up a first down so they could continue to try to run out the clock, but they didn't throw for the sticks. They threw, they like went for it. And I went, Oh God, you know, like that felt a little bit like mm, maybe poor sportsmanship. We might feel like in this situation, you wouldn't normally take a shot at the end zone. And they did. And Jason LaCampora tweeted out that a lot of coaches and um, were offended at the way that the whole, you know, Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday thing was handled by, um, by Ursay and that he thought that type of thing, when the situation presented itself might happen more as the year goes on those are not situations that are going to present themselves all that frequently, right? Like how often is it that you end up in a game where you're just getting blown out so that you have those types of like obvious pile on situations, but it was something that I thought was an interesting point worth taking into consideration moving forward. If it does come up, because I thought there was certainly a chance that that was what was happening there. The Colts, despite their struggles of late, I guess all season long, really, you think about, my goodness, the win over Kansas City feels like it was a lifetime away. And then they, you know, had it so close until under two minutes to go against Philadelphia. You gave yourself an opportunity until the fourth quarter against Dallas. But the Colts are they still have a chance, a very outside-looking-in chance of getting into the postseason because the AFC South is one of the weakest divisions in football when you look at how things have shaken out. Tennessee certainly does not look like the Titans of the past, and they've endured their own turmoil this season. But with Tennessee, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and Houston among the division, who is the most promising moving into the final quarter of the season that has an opportunity to show what they're made of in this final month of the regular season and then also kind of declare themselves a contender as we start to already turn the page and look ahead to 2023? I... 
feel like I have the most optimism right now for Jacksonville. Um, really? I think that I like it. You know, Interesting. Is that is that shocking? I'm surprised a little it's, bit about the the shock that's attached to that reaction. Well, just I mean, just I, because record wise, we're just so used to to top ten picks and top five picks and. I mean, they've certainly got head coach figured out and quarterback figured mm-hmm. out. Everything else is sort of gravy on those potatoes. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's part of it. Like, if you look at the, the play of Trevor Lawrence in the last month and a half, so the game against Detroit was not good for Jacksonville at all. I think that we're continuing to talk about Detroit in a way that might be off nationally. I think that Agreed. if you look at, like, the deeper metrics on Detroit, what – what you'll find is that in terms of DVOA or expected points added, things that really dive down into what individual um, teams and players are doing on, in individual situations, what they should be expected to and what they're doing, you'll find that Detroit, since week nine, has actually started playing pretty well on the defensive side of the ball, too. It's not just on the offensive side of the ball. So the uh, – Offense for the Lions is number five expected points added per play in that mm-hmm. time. Number one in drop back EPA. But the defense is the 16th best EPA per play since week nine. They were dead last, like obviously the worst weeks one through eight. So I think that, you know, obviously if the Jacksonville Jaguars are a good team, then you want to overcome that. But I think that looking at them and saying, oh, they, they laid an egg against Detroit. They couldn't even get it done against Detroit. I think that we need to kind of pivot our narrative with Detroit a little bit and catch up to the fact that they're actually playing much better on both sides of the ball there in Detroit. Um, so that said, I think the fact that we've seen, we've seen more of like the highlight version of Trevor Lawrence that we expected to see um, in the back half of the season this year. I think that he's playing much better. I think that they have some pieces that that make sense to build off of offensively, and I I think that they're they're a team that I feel like has the best. I mean, I mean Tennessee. Look, they are what they are, right? Like they're Derrick Henry on offense. They they don't have any kind of passing game attached to them, and um, I think that Jacksonville is the team that really has the best shot in the division if they were to eke out. And I I haven't pulled up the schedules for all of the teams in the AFC South to see who they really have to play down the stretch and how realistic it is. They could potentially overcome Tennessee. But I think that they're a team to point to in the AFC South that says, okay, this is the one that's headed in the right direction going into next season. And then also, I think if they were to make it to the postseason, somehow Mm -hmm. they're the team that would have the best shot at knocking someone off. Uh, And also not for nothing, but like, you know, net points on the season, they're at zero, which is gross, but also it's the best in the AFC South. Everybody else is net negative. Yeah. So you got Cowboys at home against the Cowboys this Sunday at the Jets, Texans on January 1st, and then closing out uh, the season against the Titans on January 8th. So there you go. That's the look at the final four for the Jaguars. Um, As we look ahead to this uh, Saturday for the Colts, the Vikings are up next, Lindsay. Um, this is a a simple question, but a loaded question. Are, are the Vic, are the Vikings good? I mean, they're they're ten and three, yeah. but but nine one score wins. What yeah. do you make of them? Are are they any good? Or are they just kind of you know a mirage to this point? Yeah, somebody. I was talking to somebody this past week, and they said that they went and looked at one score games, and if you flip the results 
of one score games because that's obviously a kind of a volatile thing. It could right. have gone either way. That there, there's a scenario in which they have one win. This yeah, year. they'd like one and eleven or something. One yeah. win if you flipped it. <laughs> so, uh, but I also think again going to things like DVOA. I haven't looked at it again since last week's uh, or this past weekend's game against the Lions, but in terms of DVOA going into that game, because when the line for the Vikings-Lions game came out, I think everyone was just shocked, right? Like, how are the Lions favored in this game with five wins going up against a 10-win Vikings squad? Like, what is Vegas doing? But, you know, I was like, well, they're obviously doing something. And that's kind of where I came up with the Lions DVOA stuff and the fact that looking at it, the Lions are playing better. Well, the Vikings are in, like, the low to mid-20s in every category in terms of DVOA across the board. So there really aren't any, you know, uh, statistics that would point to, yeah, the Vikings are just playing really good ball. You have to give them credit for winning those games, though. There's something to be said for that. But if you're trying to be predictive and say, like, is this team really good? Is this team going to continue this? Or is this a super volatile thing that we've been looking at to this point, I think you have to point to volatility on behalf of the Vikings as opposed to just really good quality play. And then you look at like the quarterback play, like Kirk Cousins is not having a good year, but, but they're winning games, but he's not been particularly good and nor particularly consistent. So I, I would, I would say going into this week that the Vikings look like a scary team to go up against, particularly for a team that has had the uh, lack of success that the Colts have had this year. But I think you have to look at it as a game that is uh, potentially winnable because I just don't think I don't think that the Vikings are as good as their record is, which well, I guess is a long-winded way of getting to that sentence, right? Yeah, well, that, that brings me to a good point. I mean, if the Vikings win – they win the division, so that they could already lock up a playoff spot. And one of the things you always hear throughout, you know, all of sports is defense wins championships. And this Vikings defense is 32nd in the league in a lot of categories. But then you mentioned that offense. You got Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, who kind of help up a lot of the issues that they have. When you look at that recipe, I know you just said, you know, they're not a, you know, a juggernaut for sure. But do you think those weapons can overcome things when playoff football rolls around? Oh, for sure. For sure. I think if you, I mean, and that's one of those things that you're looking at, you want a team that can't get it done both ways offensively and can make a big play here and there. So if they're not going to be consistent, and I think that in some ways you have to look at that as the reason for the record, despite the lack of consistent success, is that there are those, those big plays, like you can hit Justin Jefferson, you know, and if if you find yourself in a third and 10 over and over and over in the game, and you go to Justin Jefferson every single time, a couple of those times he's going to make a, a an incredible play for you, right? right? Like the, the numbers, uh, it's not a high percentage situation, but if you are in a low percentage situation, who do you want to be making a play for you on the other end of that? It's Justin Jefferson. Like I, I can't think of anybody else in the league that I would rather have in that situation. So uh, absolutely, I think you have to consider them as a – a team that could beat anybody. I just don't think that they are a team that you can count on to do that. I don't think that like when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles who are so well-rounded, they have a really good defense, which I don't necessarily think you need to have a really good defense come the playoffs. I think that a really good offense can overcome a really good defense. But I I do think that uh, they, they happen to have a very good defense and they have a very good offense and they have an offense that is built in such a way 
where like, so if you are the Packers who they played a few weeks ago and they're a run funnel, they can run like crazy on you. And then it, you, they can flip it around the next week and play the Titans who have a secondary that has some issues and you can throw the ball over the yard on them. And then you could go up against the Giants who are a team that I thought that they were going to run the ball against because the Giants are giving up like five yards per carry on, on the ground. And they didn't even do that. They ended up getting all these rushing yards, but it was all in the second half once they had a big lead. So from an analysis standpoint, I felt like I, I ended up being right for the wrong reasons, though. <laughs> but I think that that points to the overall point that I'm trying to make about Philadelphia, which is that no matter what your weakness is defensively, they can attack it. And they don't even have to attack it because they might be better at your strength than you are. You know what I mean? On it, from a head-to-head standpoint. So I think that... Like you look at a team like Philadelphia and you go, okay, on paper, that team should be able to compete with everybody. When I look at the Vikings, I say that team should not be able to, based on what we're seeing, compete with everybody, but they could on any given week because they certainly have the weapons who could just step up and take over a game. Looking at the final four games of the season for the Indianapolis Colts, they're on the road at Minnesota this week, and then you have two home game opportunities to close out the year. Monday night football against the Chargers. You'll go to the New York Giants on New Year's Day, finish up the season at home against divisional foe in Houston. And the Colts have been their biggest nemesis this year, just in terms of turnovers. You know, we mentioned it earlier, taking care of the football. No one kind of expected this from Matt Ryan, but when you've had the lack of production from the offensive line, that's kind of what you have resulted in, a lack of a run game, lack of production. The Colts have turned the ball over at least once in 11 out of 12 games. Let's say if the Colts are able to find a way to protect the football, take better care of the football in the final four-game stretch, how many games do you see of those four, Vikings, Chargers, Giants, and Houston, being winnable opportunities for Indianapolis if they just shore up the one thing that they've shot themselves in the foot on all season long? Well, I think all four of those are winnable for the Colts in that specific situation. Uh, I just am not counting on that to happen because, like I said at the outset, I don't feel like much of what I've seen from the Colts this year has made much sense to me. So if they can shore up the turnovers, then I think you're looking at some teams there that like the, the, the problem, the problem with the chargers for the Colts is that the chargers are actually like, what has been their weakness all year long is that the fact that they just haven't had access to a lot of people that they really needed to have access mm-hmm. to this year in order to be what we wanted them to be offensively. Like the, the injuries on the offensive line, the injuries at wide receiver, they seem to be moving in a direction where they're getting those pieces back. Now, the thing that you could potentially, you know, if, if Jonathan Taylor can have a big game, the, you can run on the Chargers. So that could be a way to attack them. And, and also, you know, maybe keep the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands and limit the, the, the passing attack that they have there and their ability to put up points just by, you know, grinding it out. So if you can, if it, if it matches up that way, then I could see that being a game. I mean, and, you know, people talk about the Chargers charging. So, I mean, I could definitely <laughs> never write off the possibility of that happening. Um, uh, the Colt, uh, the Giants are a team that you should be able to run on if Jonathan Taylor can, you know, if you guys can get that going again. And then the Texans, the Texans are a weird one because on paper, you look at the Texans and you go, this is, they're, they're much like the Lions as a team that has jumped out to me in the last few weeks where I've thought, like, are we getting them wrong a little bit? Because their run defense was 
weeks one through eight, the team that you want to start your running backs against in fantasy. Like this was absolutely like, oh, you got to place. It was Jeff Wilson Jr. A few weeks ago, this is when it caught my attention. Jeff Wilson Jr., everybody freaked out. you got to start him in fantasy. This is a must-start smash spot because the Texans' run defense is just horrible. And then he didn't get there, and it was a letdown. And then the next week, same with Nick Chubb, in the same situation. Everyone's banging the table. Nick Chubb's going to go crazy this week, but he didn't. He put up eight fantasy points. And so I started looking into it, like, are they better than we think? Because one player not getting there, you could look at it and go, maybe it was just a weird script or the offense, was something was amiss. Two weeks in a row, and Nick Chubb is one of those guys. So I looked into it. The Texans' run defense is the 12th best since week nine in expected points at in DVOA similar situations. So I haven't gone to look at the tape to figure out what that is, if they've changed things up schematically, if they've moved some pieces around. But the uh, Cowboys started off running the ball really, really well against them, and then it didn't really um, continue Mm -hmm. in this past Sunday's game. So I would normally point to the Texans, um, had I not really been paying close attention these last few weeks and said, man, that's, those three games are just, uh, a, a, you know, like a run funnel, like a real good runway for Jonathan Taylor to do what he does yeah, yeah. if Matt Ryan can, can <clears throat> hold on to the ball and not turn it over. But I'm not totally sure that the Texans are that defense anymore. But there's certainly an opportunity there down the stretch, I think. And we already talked about Minnesota. So, I mean, all four of those games are winnable. I just, you know... I mean, how confident do you feel like right. you can trust the Colts to do what you expect them to do in a best-case scenario yeah, that's this been, season? Yeah, that's been it all season long. Great stuff right there. NFL insider Lindsey Rhodes from the NFL Roadshow podcast, which is also available on SiriusXM. Follow her online on Twitter at Lindsey underscore Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. Lindsey, what's coming up next on the podcast this week and, and down the road? Where can people see it outside of SiriusXM? Because you've had some really good guests. I love the podcast. I listen to it every chance I get, so hype it up a little bit if you can. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. We have uh, Greg Cosell. I am mm-hmm. going to tape with him from NFL Films. He's, of course, a, one of the best tape analysts, I think, in the game. Yep. And I'm interested to talk to him this week for the podcast that will come out on Wednesday morning um, and just kind of see, like, I, I just threw out a bunch of stats. I'm not I'm not a tape person. I am not the person that's grinding tape and, and analyzing things in that way. Obviously, I'm watching the games, but I'm interested to see what his analysis is in terms of explaining what some of those numbers are and then what jumps out at him about some of the changes that have been made these last few weeks. And so I'm really eager to get his thoughts as a, as a different type of perspective. And then I do a fantasy show every Friday, which is just my primary fantasy thoughts for the week uh, in a quick 15 to 20 minute burst. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we have episodes that come out Monday, Wednesday and Friday, and they're available wherever you get your podcasts. That's good stuff right there. Again, Lindsey Rhodes, the NFL Road Show podcast. Lindsey, really appreciate your time and your insight. It was great talking with you. Continued success with everything that you're doing. And uh, I hope we can catch up down the road and, and hopefully talk about more Colts wins the next time we speak. I would love that. And then I'd love to have you come on the podcast and explain the Colts. <laughs> How much time do you have on the podcast? We're going we're to need a bit on that one. <laughs> it's going to be a multi-episode series. <laughs> That's good stuff right Thank there. Thank you, guys. Great stuff right there. Lindsay Rhodes, great guest on the podcast today. Again, follow her online on Twitter at Lindsay underscore Rhodes. 
for the NFL Road Show podcast. Lair Overton is here. Casey Vallier is here. No J.J. Stankovitz today. I'm Matt Taylor. So, Casey, we were going to throw this to J.J., but since he is uh, absent, we're going to task you. The random thought of the week. Normally, this is me. I'm out of random thoughts in terms of of what's no, you're That's not. You're never you could out. never. I just be mean out. in terms of what's acceptable to be put on this podcast because I have a lot okay. of nooks and, and crannies and, and cavernous thoughts in my brain. Larry, you were last week. Casey, random thought of the week from you this week to close out here. I've got to be honest. I'm honored, and it's a perfect week because I have been <laughs> asking this question for years, and I never for get years. A, never get a good answer. So it, it, it popped up again at Thanksgiving with Christmas right around the corner. It still applies. So. Every year at big holidays, you have gatherings, and it's Mm -hmm. always based around food, Mm -hmm. okay? Thanksgiving, you have turkey. Mm -hmm. My family, Christmas, it's ham. Mm -hmm. New Year's Eve, you've got cabbage or black-eyed peas or something. Yeah. My question Wait, is- Wait, what? Is that a thing? Uh, it's what, like a tradition, it's like a, yeah. You know, get away the bad the bad luck. You eat things you would never eat. So yeah. oh. New we Year's always, Eve- my, my grandma, the same one who had the little you know diatribe on the mint juleps, she would always hide a dime in the sauerkraut, and whoever found the dime would oh, get good luck. I've I heard that. That's really? a, yeah, okay. I think that's a thing. I also think you would have like, we would have like pork tenderloin. I think okay. that's another thing you have All on right. New Year's. Well, I've been burying my head in the sand on New Year's Eve <laughs> yeah, for, I guess, have. 37 years. <laughs> Where the hell have I been? Well, I don't know. All right, but please continue. I'm sorry. You so, need to get to Mary Ann's house. <laughs> <laughs> I need culture. <laughs> so my big question is, my family, we don't eat turkey. We mm-hmm. don't eat ham. We don't eat cabbage or black-eyed peas. Any other day of the year. Mm-hmm. Yes. So why do we do this when you gather, you, you find all these meals you eat so well that you eat throughout the entire year. Mm-hmm. Why do we at one time a year go, well, let's see who can make a turkey. <laughs> oh, that turkey wasn't any good. So why you just want to order a pizza on Thanksgiving? Well, I'm not saying like you want to get Domino's? Like, like for me. Like I love Casey's a, like a nice lasagna I would be fine. Something. Yeah, like, like I love a good steak. Why don't we do steak on oh, Thanksgiving? Oh, I would much rather have like, steak on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Thanksgiving yeah. for me is we all. Do. Oh, do you? Well, yeah. see, for me, it's they always have turkey, and I never eat the turkey. I always eat the sides. And I love the sides, but I'm like, okay, let's have a main course I, where I, everybody likes it. I think that you just need to start hosting the holiday and set the rules. That's, right. a, good, that's a good – see, we hosted this year, and, of I, course, no. we did turkey. And oh, it was, no. You know, it was we're fine, doing it different. But... Be like, if if you want your turkey, you bring some, you know, a pack of your boar's head from the Kroger, <laughs> and you can have yourself a little turkey yeah, sandwich. You, you but make... we're having steaks. You want it toasted? There's a toaster. You want it toasted? Yeah. I mean, do no, you guys not agree? Do you no, I, I do you. agree. I mean, we obviously all know the origins of, of turkey on right. Thanksgiving. And I know why. But, but you're exactly right, though. I mean, I'm not a big turkey like, guy, and yeah, I'm really not... not a ham guy. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to your point, like, there's no other time of the year you don't you don't come in from the pool on July eighth and say, All right, I need six yeah. hours to here to make 100%. my turkey. I need stuffing and I need a green bean casserole. You know? yes. yeah. And yeah. I can't wait till next year when we're having this conversation. It's like, hey Casey, what did you do on Christmas? He's like, Well, we had we sloppy had... joes and tater tots. <laughs> hey, that sounds a lot better than a ham. It really like, does. For me, a ham and then a ham, like I'm fine with deli. Like if I go to a like if I go to a sub. Would you shop, like to have some delicious I'll, duck? I'll have some. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fine. I was talking about this with uh, Kevin, Kevin, and Jake Query on the radio a couple weeks ago, right before Thanksgiving, and we got into this same discussion. And my brother during COVID really kind of immersed himself on how to become a really good griller on the flat top, like those Blackstone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, so he he made uh, for us on Thanksgiving a hibachi style 
Thanksgiving. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's, that's great. Cool. With steak and chicken you and know, rice. It this, was damn good. This takes me back to last year at Christmas time. Shout out to Ken Myers, who is one of our engineers oh, on our yeah. broadcast, yes. because he smokes meats yes. and he has it, I mean, so well dialed. Like and so mm-hmm. we all did a little potluck on Christmas because we played the Cardinals. Yeah. We were doing the broadcast remotely from Lucas Oil Stadium. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling back the curtain now, letting anyone in. So we were at <laughs> Wait, Lucas you Oil. There? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we all pitched in and brought things. I brought like mac and cheese in the crock pot, but yeah. Ken brought some of the best brisket. It was absolutely oh, phenomenal, and I'm yeah. somewhat now longing for those days where I had a little, you know, good little <laughs> Christmas brisket. Yeah. Ken, well, nothing, if you're listening. Yeah, Ken. Bring, he also makes bring those, the meat. Yeah, he makes those uh, candied nuts. The candied nuts. On his smoker. Yeah. Oh, those are to die for. Well, Casey, you're welcome to come to the Tuckers on Christmas Eve because we do stuffed shells. My mother-in-law okay. makes just like stuffed shells on Christmas. Right, That's I can what get we down have. With that. Yeah, it's just yeah. Like a lot with what? better like than ricotta ham. cheese. Yeah, yeah, like That's with wonderful. the with the marinara with the marinara sauce oh, on top. Oh, yeah, oh, super oh, simple. We do like a Caesar yeah. salad. It's, Big fan. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. great. Yeah. What time? We'll be there. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> we'll be there. send you the text. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well done. I'm with you, Case. I mean. Yeah, Tur- I mean, turkey's okay. I'm really not a ham fan. Right? No, right? I hate ham. I don't. Yeah. I don't eat any pork though. Yeah. No. But what, what other holidays? Have, like, what other holidays are associated with food? I mean, Larry, well, grilling, I, I, barbecue, you're, you're on not, Fourth of you're July. Gonna, you're not. I mean, you're not going to eat a hot dog. Right. On the fourth of I July. won't eat hot dogs. No, <laughs> yeah. no. Oh my god. But no. you know that again. No, my, my Tucker though. almost got a hot dog. He was joking about getting a hot dog. We were in Florida, and I was like, "You've got grouper and mahi and oh, swordfish and, and like <laughs> and all, shrimp and all of these things like at your disposal." And you were about to get a hot dog. <laughs> no. I couldn't believe it. Uh, what I'm other holidays? Them, I don't know. Like a box of chocolates on Valentine's Day. Yeah. You got a little, you know, a, a peep. On uh, Easter, <laughs> those taste like air. <laughs> they don't I like, taste like I like anything. a good peep. St. Patrick's time. Day, you know, you kind of go that beer. route. Well, beer, <laughs> but you, you know, your cabbage. But, but I, right. I'm I'm with you. Sauerkraut. Those are like the three: Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then, like I said, yeah, New, New Year's is kind of the opposite of that. Like it's the, the reason you're doing is to get away bad luck stuff you don't ever eat. So you I know, understand that. Maybe one. we're weird but, because on Christmas we don't really do dinner at my parents' house. We my mom always makes like just breakfast casseroles and like breakfast food. Oh. We kind of like graze on all day. My so, wife does that every Christmas morning. And then we usually like order off. sushi so at night or something like that. <laughs> because <laughs> we're almost exhausted. It's like, yeah, let's yeah. go get a California roll. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Not- there you go. <laughs> Nothing says holiday merriment. <laughs> Here, stop like this. <laughs> Make room. There you go. Open up. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not talking about this on 360 this week, Larry. Uh, three, three, 360 is a little interesting this week. Don't you have to? You have a little tap dancing to do, <laughs> right, with a Saturday game? It is a little interesting because we're still Saturday night and Sunday morning on yeah. CBS 4 and Fox 59. We have Kylan Granson in studio. Uh, yeah. Really fun interview with Kylan that will very much convince you of how much there is to play for. And then also had a conversation about Jeff Saturday about not allowing anyone to get apathetic or complacent about where they are at this point in the season. Also, there was a wonderful event this week. We will have it on Colts 360. It'll be on all the Colts uh, platforms. But Shop with a Colt uh, was last night where players went out to a Meyer store with kids from Big Brothers, Big Sisters and got to help them cross some things off their holiday awesome. shopping list. So really special so uh, cool. event right there, which is really so cool. neat. And then tonight, uh, Shaq Leonard has his Shop with the Jock event as well. So a lot of Colts community events mm-hmm. going on here in the, in the next few weeks. So awesome. also shout out to you know Shaq, our Walter Payton Man yeah. of the Year honoree yeah. as well. 
lots of time spent on rehab, but also making time yep. for the community and all that he does. So well-deserved right there. Hopefully he's in contention, major contention that is, for uh, the NFL-wide Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. And as we said, Chase McLaughlin is going to join us later this week in studio to talk about his stellar season with those seven made field goals over 50 yards this year. we got daily updates Tuesday through Thursday this week on the home of the Colts, radio-wise, 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan Inside Football is back with Rick Venturi dropping knowledge with his blueprints to beat the Vikings. That'll come out on Wednesday. Casey, know your foe this week. Who you got? We got ben, Yourself and Bill, right? Ben Gessling, who uh, covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune up in Minnesota, so that'll be uh, dropping yep. on Thursday. That'll be good to talk to him as well. Yep. Yeah, get some more insight on those 10-3 and 3 Vikings. Then Friday, Colts Happy Hour. With JMV, of course, on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. And again, our man J.J. Stangovitz feeling under the weather. He'll have instant reaction from uh, the Minnesota game with uh, Bill Brooks. That'll either come out on Saturday night or uh, Sunday uh, morning, depending on how J.J.'s feeling. So hopefully he's back in the fold next week, uh, recovering from illness that's going around town. I swear everybody I know has uh, the sniffles or the cough or whatever so guys really enjoyed it as always casey valier lara overton casey enjoy your turkey sandwich tonight and uh <laughs> with a side of ham side of mayonnaise <laughs> that i know you love as well so enjoy brother guys have a great rest of your week again for lara and casey i'm matt taylor this is the official colts podcast brought to you by WinBet. thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week